I'm going to talk about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. With me on that? This Tuesday is a big day as it pertains to the direction of our nation. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I'm going to use my words carefully this morning. Um, I haven't said a whole lot about the election. Uh, I haven't said too much about uh, too many of my beliefs or anything as it pertains to my support of a certain candidate or candidates. As I said before, there's many, uh, many candidates and many races beyond just the presidential election. And if any of us know this much, that a president by themselves cannot do anything the way our government is set up and established, uh, I'm going to talk to you about voting for Christ. I'm going to talk to you about voting godly principles. And, and I'm sorry if you get offended by this message today. I'm really sorry. That is not my heart behind it. Uh, I love you. You're going to see why in a minute that I'm preaching this and I'm talking about it. Um, but there's a couple reasons why I've not talked about it. For Number one... Something you've not, never heard me do and will never hear me say is uh, I've never gotten up here and supported a political party or candidate. I never will do that. It's unethical. Okay? It's wrong for a pastor to get into a pulpit and begin to push a political party or candidate. Uh, I will never do that. Um, but however, I will share with you godly principles of what I believe. You see... Politics stirs people up, and people like to share their opinions about politics. I don't know about you, but I'm really sick and tired of hearing about all of it. From Christians and non-Christians alike, I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely disgusted by it. It makes me want to vomit. Pastor, you haven't talked about it much. I haven't sat in... Circles with people in our church and talked about it much. Have I had a few of those conversations? Yes, I have. Why is it, Pastor, that you haven't talked about it very much? Because I'm sick of it. And I think and I have this firm belief and stance that sometimes when a person talks so much that nobody hears what they say. They shut them out. And it's pointless. So I figured, Lord, I'll reserve... This message for a time right before the election, based on godly principles, one time. Pastor has not been running around. He's not been forwarding emails. He's not been posting on Facebook. He's not been spreading this horrible slander for any party. It makes me want to hate it. So I'm not going to do that. I haven't done that. But I do want to share today godly principles. Why? Because I've not done all those other things. Why? For this moment. So that people will hear what I have to say. Or more importantly, what the Word of God has to say. Second reason. Second reason I haven't done this thus far. Hey, look, the computer's working. It wasn't working this morning. Shocked me. Second reason is... This, this pulpit where I'm at is a sacred desk. It is not my place to have people get up here and begin to... Uh, politicians, uh, there are churches and people that do this. 
they'll have a politician into their church and talk to them. I will never do that because this is a sacred desk. There's some Christians I don't want in this pulpit. I'm very protective of this pulpit. Uh, I'm not going to have nutcases up here. The reality of it is, folks, you say, well, what? I'm not going to support a, a, a party. Why? Because I think they're both lost. I think they're both absolutely and completely lost. <gasps> Pastor, I don't care. You say whatever you want to say. I think that not all of them have got 100% perfect agendas according to God's Word. I don't think, I think their motives and a lot of them are selfish. And I, so, so there's, there's a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. I haven't talked about it for these reasons, and I wanted to save it today. My goal today is not to support any political party or candidate. I am a Christian first. My love and commitment to Christ is my number one main priority. It cannot be separated from my political stances. The very nature of Christ, the values that are instilled in me by the Holy Spirit are the very things that enable me to love this great nation, to uphold the laws of the land, to be honest with my taxes, and to vote for the candidate that I feel leans closest to the ideals that are represented in the Word of God. And there is no political party that can do that. As I said before, they're all lost. If I'm a Christian first my vote should be driven by my faith and not by anything else. Amen. Now hear me this morning because there are a lot of issues. We're going to talk about four this morning, but there are a lot of issues out there. And people usually vote pertaining to the one issue that is most important to them. Whether it be economical, whether it be you know, small business, whether it be whatever. This is most important to me. And they ignore what the Word of God says about major things that are happening. I want to challenge you today that if you're a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to seek out what the Word of God says about some of these major issues. And you need to vote with principles based on that. Rather than say, I'm going to vote for myself and my selfish needs instead of what I believe God wants. So if I'm a Christian first... It's very important for us to do this today. The candidate today I vote for is Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only one that's going to come in and get it right, folks. Amen. If Jesus was running for every, every uh, elected position, I'd vote Jesus all the way. But unfortunately, he's not. He's the only one I'd be happy with. This election is no different. I'm not, I, I don't think I've ever been 100% happy with any candidate that I've ever voted for. Which leads me to this question. What's the point in voting? Why vote then, Pastor? I've had people tell me this. I love you if you've told me this. Listen, we have a difference of opinion. It's fine. Why vote then? I was, I was posed with a question at a minister's meeting that I had a hard time with. I've struggled with for about a month and a half to two months. The question was posed, Pastor... You know, we always teach our congregation that when it comes to elections to pick the lesser of the two evils. I'm uncomfortable with that. Is that right? I said, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like to answer questions too quick because I'm not 100% sure. You know, because if you start taking this theology, this, this doctrine of lesser than two evils, and you start applying it across the board in your life, that creates some uncomfortable situations, doesn't it? 
Suddenly our lives are compromised. Suddenly our lives don't look exactly the same. We start comparing ourselves to other people and say, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. And then people say, well, one's a Christian and doesn't have godly principles and the other one's not a Christian and does have godly principles and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Who do, I'm not going for, voting for anybody. Listen to me, folks. I'm going to give you clear reason today why you need to vote. This vote is our voice as believers. Very simple. And if we vote godly principles, we are voting for what God wants. Let's open up the word. If you turn to Ezekiel, turn to Ezekiel um, chapter 3. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? People, unfortunately, head into the voting booth having never sought God. you hear me? Christians head into the voting booth without fasting, without praying, without stopping and saying, Lord, what is your will with my vote? God, what is your will with my vote? What is it that you want done, Lord? Instead, we resort to political propaganda that says this one will give us this if we vote for them. This one will give us this if we vote for them. And nobody has stopped to ask what God wants. All we ask is what we want. You say, Pastor, why is it important? Don't you know the heart of God? Are you being transformed day by day? Are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing and cleansing of the Word? Are you not being changed? Do you not capture and understand the heart of God? If you can capture and understand the heart of God, then why don't we start applying it? You see, people will make excuses, and this is what drives me crazy. People will make excuses when it comes to politics. When it comes to everyday ethical living, they will get very frustrated when people start to call themselves Christians and live an opposite lifestyle. Amen? But when it comes to politics, throw all that out the window. Throw all of my Christian values out the window. Throw out all my character and ethics and join in with the gossip and slander and malicious talk. Throw it out the window. Do you know that you're killing people? Do you know that when people are are reading the stuff on Facebook, when they're getting the emails, when they're getting the phone calls, the conversation, the constant talk and degrading of people, do you know that they shut you off a long time ago? My number one priority is I'm a Christian. And God has called me to go and make disciples of Christ, not followers of the Republican Party or followers of the Democratic Party. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because when we follow that and we push a doctrine of politics, we shut down the doctrine of Christ because people are offended and divided and no longer want to hear what you have to say. Because you gossip and slander. I've already hit home, haven't I? Let's just run out the door now. Norma, I'm coming to see you. That's my little plug for Norma this week. Let's open up the Word of God before Pastor gets himself in any more trouble. I believe we should vote. We should vote not to compromise, not to pick the lesser of two evils, not to approve the evils of either, but to take our role of being the watchman with great responsibility. Ezekiel 3 16, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. 
When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him. Everybody say dissuade. Dissuade Dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life. That wicked man will die for his sins, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his evil ways, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. Since you did not warn him, he will die for his sin. The righteous things he did will not be remembered, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does not sin, he will surely live because he took warning, and you will have saved yourself. Ezekiel had a call in his life, folks. Ezekiel had a call to go and to be a voice for God. He had a call to go and to warn and rebuke those that are wicked and purposeful in what they're doing. He was warning the wicked of the impending danger of his ways. Let me ask you this question. Are there people today that are trying to get into places that are wicked in all levels of government? People that that want wickedness instead of godliness. God says, it's your job, O church, O Christian, to warn them. It's our job to speak the truth. It's our job to take our voice, which is our vote this Tuesday, and to use it and say, look, this is what God says. This is what God says. And I'm backing this principle up because this is what God says. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. Why why would you do that? Do you know that... that, uh, Individuals still need to be confronted, need to be turned from their path of destruction. He even said there are those that are righteous. They embark on deception and they've wavered in the truth and were headed into sin and bondage. How many of us know that there are even people that have good intentions that are off sometimes? With our vote, we speak what, Lord, what the Lord has spoken to us in light of His truth. Matthew 13 says this, you say, Pastor, what's the big deal? We, we, the church, have got the revelation of Christ. Matthew 13, 15 through 17 says this, For this people's heart has been, become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But, I, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see See what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen, do you know that we can't expect the lost to come up with some kind of a godly wisdom in light of all of this stuff? If the Christians, if the people of God will step back and say, I refuse to vote because neither one of them are perfect, in whatever, from president all the way down to mayor or anything else, I refuse to vote, then what you're doing is, is you're keeping your mouth closed when you have been called to be a watchman. You see, they don't have ears to hear. They don't have eyes to see. They're not going to make godly decisions. We have got the revelation of Christ. Blessed are we because we do see and we do hear and we are saved, folks. We know the truth. And with with knowledge comes great responsibility. I told Tim that yesterday, Tim Henderson, we were working upstairs in the sound booth over in the youth room, and I, 
he said, what do you know? And I said, I, said, uh, I don't want to know anything because when I know something, people expect stuff out of me. <laughs> he laughed and we finished what we were doing. But isn't that true? God did not give you the knowledge of who Christ is and of salvation and truth and reality for you to keep your mouth shut when people need to hear truth. And our voice today, our voice this Tuesday is our vote. It's our vote. And what principles are the most important to us? What is it that God sees? We need to get into our prayer closets, find out what God loves, and find out what God hates. Amen? You're all so quiet today, you're making me afraid. We are the ones that have the Spirit dwelling inside of us. We should be students of the word of truth. God told Ezekiel to warn the wicked. Did you know that there are people, there are people, I know, I'm not going to name names, and some of them I don't know, and even with the ones I think I know, I don't know for sure. But there are people that will manipulate government to do harm. There are people that will manipulate government to get where they want to go to do harm. We see it in Esther chapter 4. You remember Haman? Evil Haman came in and manipulated his way into the king's courts and begins to start to, to, weave, uh, to weave a web of destruction against the Jewish people. And he says, we need to send out a decree that they all be destroyed. And Mordecai hollers at Esther. And this is what he says in verses 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What she had to come to grips with is this reality. Do I remain in my comfortable place and keep my mouth shut? Do I remain at a status quo and just stay here and be comfortable? And what Mordecai is saying, he said, you may be in the king's house and you may be comfortable with it right now. You may know it's wrong, but don't you dare think that at some point it's not going to affect you and your family. Amen. You best say something. Amen. You see, Esther was kind of put up as a watchman, wasn't she? She was there. She had influence. She took a risk. And saved her people. Listen, folks, when God establishes the church to be the watchman for the United States of America, it's like we're standing on a wall seeing a vast army out there. And we could, we, we're left with this decision with Esther. We see the things coming down the pipe that are being forced through and, and, and pressured in that are totally against God, completely and totally. I don't care who you are. You can argue with me till you're blue in the face. All you have to do is open the Word of God. Amen. Period. And we're going to address some of these. Be patient. But we could stand up there and say, this vast army is great. There's no point in even telling anybody it's hopeless. Listen, that's removing God from the whole situation. Don't do that. Do not have a defeatist mentality and say, my vote doesn't really count. It does count. Amen. And for you and I to keep our mouths shut and never vote according to godly principles is for us to be the watchmen that knew and refuse to tell. 
So why do I vote? Do you vote because of the lesser two evils? No, I vote because I know God's principles and I am expected by God to share my voice in that voting booth. Who knows? Maybe we've been placed here for such a time as this like Esther was. Amen? See, when we remove God from the equation, it's a dangerous thing. I want to talk about four issues Now, before I even start on the four issues, these are not the only four issues, okay? There are thousands of issues. I am not a political commentary. I am not somebody that wants to argue politics. I am a pastor. I am a watchman over this church, period. After this message, you can leave me, you can love me, you can hate me, and you can go vote however you want to vote. Bless your little heart. I am simply a watchman. Amen? Amen. And I'm just speaking truth today. Four issues that should affect the vote of a believer. Number one, we should vote to uphold the Constitution. Wow, I didn't expect that one, Pastor. We need to vote to uphold the the Constitution. Proverbs 22, verse 28 says, Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. I'll read it again. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. You say, what are you talking about? It's talking about a place where we know in the Old Testament they set up a boundary stone. This is our heritage. This little plot of land is our livelihood. It's our heritage. It's our inheritance to pass on to our children. And somebody would see that and say, let's move it this way for my advantage. Let's begin to move things with dishonest gain so that I can get more of what I want. Did you know that there's a movement out there right now in our nation, an undercurrent, it's not up front in everybody's faces because if it was, everybody right now, there's enough patriotism left in America, praise God, that would shut it down quickly. There's a movement right now of people that want to change our Constitution because of everybody else has had multiple constitutions since we've had ours 200 years. Everybody else has had seven or eight or different ones. Uh, Ours is outdated and irrelevant for the time we live today. It's absolutely false, folks. The principles that are established there in our Constitution were established by imperfect but godly men. Amen? There's principles established there. They know what they fought and died for. They know what they came out of, and they don't want us to go back to it. That's why the systems are set up the way they are. It doesn't need to be erased and started over again. And there's a mentality out there that says, who cares about the heritage? Who cares about the the, the boundary stone? Let's just throw it away. We need to vote for people that understand and know and can interpret appropriately our Constitution. Why? Why? I'm getting sick and tired, and this comes from both parties. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing about the world community. There is no other nation on the face of this earth that does more for the world community than this nation right here. And what I don't want to see happen is somebody come in and start uh, making our constitution smaller than the influence of the world community. We are the United States of America. God has, through these godly men, established a boundary stone for us. We don't need to move it. Amen? We need to be considering that, looking at that. And that is something that you're not going to find in voter guides, but you need to discern in your heart and be prayerful and allow the Spirit to lead you and to show you uh, those that will follow that lead. 
Secondly, something that should, uh, should affect the Christian voter is the topic of abortion. It should. Now, now give me a second. If we are going to be a believer that pursues God's heart and find out what he loves and love what he loves and hate what he hates, we cannot vote for this and do it with a peace of mind. I don't care if, if you're concerned about economics or anything else or whatever. If we're voting for this, I don't know how in the world we can have a peace of mind knowing what God's heart is. You say, Pastor, right there, you just picked a political party. No, I did not. You was wrong. I'm talking about a principle. And there are people in both political parties and independents that support and oppose this. Can I get an amen? I ain't picking nobody out. I'm talking about the issue of killing babies. That's what I'm talking about. And I myself will not elect or vote for anybody that thinks that's okay. But pastor, what about the mother that's got a health issue and she could possibly die if they don't abort the baby? That's a horrible issue. That's a scary issue. And I hope and pray that, that my family or anybody I'm close to ever has to deal with it. I really do. I, that's an awful thing. What about, oh, pastor, what about, what about uh, abortion for rape and incest? Well, again, uh, that, that's an arguable issue. You say, well, gee, that mom's now going to have to carry that baby that she didn't ask for from Uncle Willie or from, from uh, you know what I mean, or from, from somebody else that's forced themselves upon them. You see, we use philosophies of man to rationalize murder away like it's okay. That's a tough situation. It's because of the culture and fallen world that we live in that it is the way it is. But then we move on down the pipe and we start saying, well, what about disabilities? I myself, with my daughter, was told, well, she might have Down syndrome. Not even 100% sure. She might have Down syndrome. So, you know, maybe you should probably consider seriously aborting. Just because of a disability. I, th I think of people, precious people like Stephen and and Amy, and Larry, and several others that are very precious. Larry's my buddy. He comes and sees me several times a week. Don't you, big guy? Give me a pound it right here. Oh, come on. Quit messing with your paper. Give me a pound it. <laughs> Taking too much time, Larry. boy. Listen. <laughs> I was going to say each one of these people are precious to me, but I don't know now. Larry's taking over the service. Listen, God, God does not support abortion. He doesn't. And I'm going to show you some scripture in a minute to prove this, all right? I, I, this is something that, that is very serious in our nation. You say, why is it serious? Why is it serious, Pastor? Because now we're moving away from, from, from the top of the, the spectrum of, of a of woman's health to, to uh, you know, incest and rape down to... Uh, you know, uh, special needs. Now we've moved down to a place where I just don't want the kid. I want to live promiscuous and I don't want the kid anymore. I don't want the kid. I don't want to be pregnant. Or they look at it now and where we're moving to now, even closer to is I wanted a boy and it's a girl. Or I wanted a girl and it's a boy. God is not pleased with this. And you say, how do you know God is not pleased with this, Pastor? I'll give you two examples in the Word of God. Two. And then we're going to read some Scripture. Two. Exodus. Book of Exodus. I know we've talked about it before. 
There was a Pharaoh that was raised up that did not know Joseph. They put Israel, uh, the Jews, into bondage and hard labor. And then they were growing and God was blessing them and, and they were outnumbering. And that Pharaoh got afraid and he said, every time they give birth, you take that baby and you throw that baby into the Nile. Basically sacrifice that child to our God because they worshiped the Nile. But God worked a way through it, brought Moses up. Moses raised up in Pharaoh's house. And, and the dates are not exactly sure, but they believe Moses would have been about 40 years in Egypt and then 40 years in the wilderness at Jethro's after he left before he came back to, to Egypt to do his work, uh, to do God's work. You say, what's my point? There was an 80-year span from the time where government approved the killing of babies to, to the time that the government was judged. Hear what I'm saying. There was an 80-year span of the time Moses being born, approximately 80 years, Moses being born and the babies being killed to now where there was judgment upon that nation because of their actions. I'll give you another example. You say, what's another example? Okay, well, let's think about King Herod in Israel. And when, when Herod says, you know what? Uh, yeah, tell me where Jesus is so I can go worship him. And he didn't know. So he said, go and kill all the boys up to the ages of two and, and, and kill them all so that we can get rid of him. And from the time that he approved that and the time that that happened, there was a 75-year span from that time until the time that Jerusalem was invaded and destroyed and the temple destroyed. Directly or indirectly related? I don't know. You tell me. You love this nation? Vote godly principles. Amen. I'm just telling you the truth, folks. You say, well, how in the world can you do that? Throw out all these philosophies and worries about people, put God into the equation, and start thinking about what can happen. This little Down syndrome child or, or somebody with a disability, if you don't want the kid, I'm sure somebody will love them and adopt them. If you have been raped or incest or something has happened, I guarantee you there are families out there that would love to have that child and to raise that child not as a rape baby, but as a living, breathing human being. Amen? Amen? You don't have to do that. You say, well, how do you know then, Pastor, that God's not happy about this? All you have to do is read a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 31.8 Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute. There is not a quieter voice in this world than an unborn child. Mm. Proverbs 6, 16, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable, detestable to Him, and these are the first three. Haughty eyes or a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. There aren't any more innocent blood that can be shed than an unborn child. Hasn't come out of the womb yet. Hasn't said a word. Hasn't done anything. Hasn't sinned. Hasn't, and yet we kill it. We make ourselves comfortable and call it a fetus and act like it's not alive. Act like the child doesn't have anything, uh, any worth or any value. In Deuteronomy 18.10, it says this, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. What's that talking about? It's talking about idol worship. And the, this, this, this God would sit in the midst of fire with arms like this, and people would sacrifice their babies to it and lay their baby on the arms of that, that uh, idol and allow it to be burned and cooked to death. That's right in that scripture where we talked for a month about idolatry and witchcraft and the Lord said, do not do these detestable practices of these nations that I'm driving out before you. It's a key thing for us to understand when we are sacrificing our children to the idols of our sexual immorality and we're sacrificing our children to the idols of our philosophy and worldliness and we think that God's not going to drive us out. 
If you love this nation, if you call yourself a believer, the signs are clear, folks. We embrace this stuff, and we have embraced it because too many believers kept their mouths shut. It will destroy us. 100% guarantee you it will destroy us. We invite the judgment of God upon us. Number three. Again, let me just say this before we go on to number three. If you have been in a situation where you've had an abortion or someone you know has had an abortion, please understand we love you. We don't condemn you. I know that in those cases, a lot of times people are stressed, fearful. A lot of times people are young and they're being pushed by an adult or somebody that has some authority over them and with them. If you've had to make a tough decision, listen, your pastor is going to sit with you, cry with you, hold your hand and pray with you. We're talking from a political stance here. We're talking about voting to, to, uh, for God's blessing instead of God's judgment. Chances are you've suffered enough for your decision, and I would say that's probably enough. You have a family here that loves you, and we understand. Thirdly, uh, issue that is affected by, if you are a believer, that should affect your vote, and that is uh, gay marriage. Why? Well, we, we, uh, we like to call it redefining marriage. Don't you love it when people redefine God's establishments? I'm going to redefine Thank you, Lord, for that, but I'm going to redefine it. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I'll give you a couple examples. Let's say God gave us the grape. In its perfect form, it's a grape. Everybody likes grapes. Can I get an amen? Wouldn't mind some grapes right now. It's almost 1 o'clock yesterday's time. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> time changing all. Grapes. God says, here's grapes. I'll give you a grape. And man said, okay, squished it. Had juice. Fermented it, drank it, got drunk. God made the marijuana plant. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> you just don't use it to seek the Lord, okay? Don't do that. Don't. God grew the marijuana plant. Man said, okay, cool, took it, made rope out of it, and then smoked the rope. Right? We're always redefining what God has blessed us with. God blessed us with marriage in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, 24 and 25 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is marriage in its purest form. There was no shame. There was no fear. There was no doubt. Listen, homosexuality is not a new issue. Okay? We're not just talking about an issue of homosexuality. We're talking about marriage. We're talking about the acceptance of it nationally as a good thing. Are we grasping that today? Homosexuality is not a new thing. We see where Abraham comes into contact with Sodom and Gomorrah. He rescues Lot. We, we know that story and the horrible atrocities that happened with that. We see in, in Leviticus 18 that God placed uh, homosexuality under the heading of sexual immorality, which means homosexuality is not any greater than some guy sitting down and looking at pornography on the Internet. It's, it's, it's all underneath the same heading of sexual immorality. It's just a sign to us of the depths of our depravity as we continue down that path. Later in Judges 20, Israel had progressed in its own sexual sin until it resembles the very thing Lot experienced in Sodom. We see that. Where it, it, very similar, exact. I encourage you to go look those up and test me and see if I'm off with that. 
Paul then later addresses this in Romans 1, saying that it was this progressive condition as men refused to glorify God, and they continued to go into deeper and deeper depths of sin. The Word of God never in any place ever condones or accepts the sin of homosexuality as though it's a good thing. Never. As a matter of fact, every nation that has embraced it has been destroyed. Every nation. Every single one. I will remind everyone that homosexuals are not the problem but a sign. James 1 says this. This is our concern today. 14 and 15. But each one of you is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. In America today, we are teetering on a precipice of death. We really are. And you say, why, Pastor? Because when we take away, remember, when marriage in its perfect form was the man and the woman, it was, it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. We know that, right? That's clear. Adam and Eve, the man and woman, defined in marriage very clearly, were naked and there was no shame. When you start removing, uh, and you, with, with homosexuality in marriage, when you start removing the shame away from it, we have now entered into depths of depravity that we've never dreamed of. Amen. And judgment will come. Sodom and Gomorrah, very plain and clear. The Roman Empire, very plain and clear. On and on and on. You see where it's happened, where people have embraced this, nations have embraced it, and, and we've, we've headed down a path of judgment. Very simply this morning, let me share this with you. Right now there's a movement, pastors going and speaking and preaching about Sodom and Gomorrah because of the pressure, the political issue about homosexuality and gay marriage. Pastors are afraid to address the issue from a biblical standpoint. Do you know what the, the real sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is according to these men? It's not homosexuality. It's not sodomy or anything like that. The real sin, according to these pastors, is, is, is the fact that they lacked hospitality. I'm dead serious. I'm telling you 100%, folks. They're so afraid to speak the truth that they've now rationalized down that a sin that was worthy of fire to consume their city was just the fact that they lacked hospitality. Well, if that's all it took, we're dead. Aren't we? We're hopeless if that's all it took. When a nation is ate up and has embraced sin of this depth and now has looked in and said, I'm going I'm to call this a good thing, we have invited a woe from God. You say, what is a woe? Read the book of Revelation and see what woes follow. See what woes are in the book of Revelation. Here's one in Isaiah 520. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What is that saying? Woe to those who redefine what God has established as good and turn it into something evil and wicked. And I don't know about you, but I don't want officials in office that have a woe resting on top of them. Because I don't want the woe for myself or my children. We are exactly like Esther, folks. Do not think that this will not affect your home at some point. Point number four. <laughs> Lord, I hope they still love me after this is over with. <laughs> Fourthly and lastly, from a pastor that absolutely loves his church. Uh, we, need, we as a Christian need to discern our vote based on whether or not the candidate we are voting for supports Israel. Amen. Now before people get fired up, I know this much. I know this much about Israel. Israel is not perfect. 
I am not a Zionist that thinks everything Israel does is gold. I understand the arguments. Listen, if you were to break down a map of all the Palestinian settlements within Israel and, and what they were given in little pockets that they have to now travel through guards to here to there and all this other stuff, I understand their argument. I really do. I do. But the reality of it is this, folks, that we are commanded by the Word of God or told in the Word of God that those who bless Israel will be blessed. Genesis 12, 1-3, through the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You say, Pastor, that's, that's ridiculous. Do you not believe the Word of God? Is God the same today, yesterday, and forever? Now, this could be argued. We could flay it down in little segments, but I'm not going to do that. It's, it's almost 2 o'clock yesterday's time. The reality of it is this. It's almost 1 o'clock. Just mess with your heads. <laughs> By blessing Israel, what does it do for us? We're following and obeying the Word of God. God says there's blessing. I don't know what the blessing is going to look like, okay? But I can tell you what it doesn't do for us. By sending money to Israel or jet planes or anything else or offering them protection, it doesn't wipe away our own sin as a nation. Okay? But that doesn't mean embrace these other issues and send some money to Israel and think God's going to love us enough, you know? That, that, that is not going to work. That's not true. That is not real. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Here, here's why it's important. The blessing of Israel flows from, from us knowing Christ and us obeying the Word of God. It's that simple. In the past, we have been a nation that is, has been very confident and firm and sure and, and very adamant of saying, we will bless Israel. We will support Israel. And when we stop supporting Israel, all it is is another sign like these other signs to us of where we are at in our condition of moving away from Christ. It's that simple. If Amber, the worship team would come, we're going we're gonna to just enter into a time of prayer here in a minute. Please understand that there are many, 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 many more issues. And if you are a Republican, I love you. If you are a Democrat, I love you. If you're independent, I love you. Regardless of what your affiliation is, I encourage you to take a voter guide and I encourage you to prayerfully look at it. You say, Pastor, how do you know those, those voter guides may be biased? Those voter guides came from Eric Miller in Indianapolis. I talked with him the other day on the phone. He, he, they're set up to where they are, they are not biased. They don't even have Republican or Democrat on there. All there is is just checked off what it is that these individuals have publicly announced and said, I support or I oppose that. It's that simple. Based on the support and opposition of, I encourage you to look at it. If you want to vote opposite of everything I said today, God bless you. I hope it works out for you. If you want to vote everything like I said today, God bless you. I hope it works out for you. I don't care what you do. That's between you your voting booth, and God. Amen? For me, as a pastor, I'm obeying the Lord. And I'm the watchman of the church. 
So I have to say what I feel the Lord leading me to say. Say, Pastor, there's more issues. Yeah. The economy, that's a big one. I wanted to deal with the economy, but I can't because there's, both sides have good reasons for what they're going to say about the economy, what's going to fix it. Everybody wants to fix the economy. I know this much. It's a moral issue. God does not want us to be in debt. doesn't want us to be greedy and continue to spend more money than, than what we have. That's stupid and silly for anybody to think that's right. So I took that off the list. But there's a lot of moral issues that we have to discern and dig through and pray about. So this morning, all we're going to do is we're going to close with a time of prayer. Would you stand with me this morning? If you want to come to the altars and seek the Lord, you may. If you want to stay in your seat, if you want to sit, that's fine. I don't care. I just want to take a few minutes. I'm going to pray out and just ask for God's wisdom and direction over our lives and and just His influence in this nation. Because this is a very crucial election. Every election is crucial. They're all crucial, folks. It's important and it's a time for us to be the voice that God has called us to be. Amen? Father, we just come to you this morning as Christians first. Lord, we come to you as your children. God, your children right now, Lord, all of us are standing here before you, recognizing, Lord, that there are things you love and there are things you hate. Lord, there are some issues that are really non-issues. And God, there are some that, that are big. And I realize, Lord, that This election probably isn't going to change those things directly, but God, it can be a voice to get the people in place that can take us back to your principles. Lord, I pray that regardless of who gets in Tuesday, I pray your blessing and your wisdom upon them. Church, we need to pray the blessing and wisdom upon whoever receives offices through elections. It doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican, they are a leader, that a leadership that is established by God, and we need to pray for them. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray right now for wisdom on whoever it is that is elected come Tuesday. Lord, if you're going to allow, allow them to be established as leaders over us, Father, I pray that your anointing would rest on them. I pray, God, your blessing would rest upon them. I pray, Father, that you would speak to them. And, Father, if their eyes and ears are closed to your truth, I pray, God, that you would open them. You are able to open blinded eyes and deaf ears. Lord, speak to the hearts of our leadership of this nation. Speak to the hearts of the candidates in this, in, in this race, God, these races across America. I pray, Lord, that you will put godly leadership in places that will follow you and obey you. And, Lord, that would invoke and bring blessing back to America. God, we pray that your will be done, not my will. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Lord God, I pray today for honesty. I pray for integrity. I pray, God, that those that try to manipulate votes, that try to manipulate numbers, Lord, those that are like Haman trying to use the system to work wickedness, I pray, Lord, that you would stop that by your Holy Spirit. Even today, Lord, expose them for what they're doing. God, I pray that all demonic powers that are involved, that are trying to suppress your will, I pray, Father, for the power of your Holy Spirit. We join ourselves together as a body of believers in prayer with your will of stopping those forces. 
Lord, help us not to be susceptible to them ourselves. Help us, Lord, to walk in integrity. Help us to walk upright, Lord. Help us to speak truth and love. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the confidence and the boldness to vote your will, Lord. And if that means going across lines from our political stances and our political parties in the past, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to do it. I really do, Lord. Lord, I want your will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray for us today. I pray for us as a body and I pray for our nation. I pray for wisdom for every voter, young and old alike, Lord, that we wouldn't vote selfish things for ourselves. But God, we would be moved by your principles because we know, God, when obedience is there. Obedience brings a blessing and disobedience brings a curse upon our lives. Lord, I want to obey your word and I want to trust you by obeying your word. And as we obey your word, we know that the blessing will flow from that. Give wisdom to each one of us, God. Give us your revelation and give wisdom to those in this nation, God, so that whatever comes on Tuesday that we can celebrate your goodness. And Father, I pray lastly for each of us following Tuesday, God. Lord, I realize that that politics are very passionate, can become very passionate. But Lord, I pray that regardless whoever is in office and whatever race it is, that the people of God would not lower themselves or overexalt themselves. If the candidate wins that they thought they wanted to win, Lord, that they would not gloat and continue in their slandered malicious talk against somebody else. But Lord, that we would very humbly thank you for your will to be done. And God, if the candidate that we're supporting or, or not support, or that we are supporting loses and we're angry or we're frustrated and fearful, I pray, God, that there would be faith enough in every believer to rise up and say, God, you are sovereign and above all of it. And there would not be malicious talk and slander and anger, but there would be nothing but faith flowing back to the throne of God saying, you are our Father and we receive whatever you give unto us. But Lord, I pray that you would give us the confidence to be the voice of a watchman. Give us the confidence to be a voice of the watchman. Jesus. Jesus, we need you. This nation needs you. Show us your will, Lord. And whatever your will is, Lord, we'll stand for it. We'll abandon ourselves. We'll abandon everything about us and surrendered it completely to you, Lord. We'll stand for you, God. We won't stand for ourselves. We won't stand for our philosophies or theologies or ideas, God, our political stances. We want to stand for you, Lord. Give us the confidence and the assurance that we can do that and that you are sovereign and good to us for it. We praise you today. Let's just sing that bridge through a couple of times. I'll stand.